1: What's it the podcast of, David? It is the Star Trek podcast. Um, Unofficial at this point, but you know, we're shooting for that official spot. That's right. You're goddamn right.
0: I actually fear, if I may be so bold, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go where some other men have gone before. (laughs) Um, uh, Allegedly, CBS wants to expand its uh, digital horizons. Hmm. And uh, they'd be fools to start shutting down podcasts, but we'll fucking see. Are they planning on doing that? Uh. Well, they have their own podcasts already, but I don't know. I'm just i uh, I'm
1: just a worry wart. I imagine it's it's an extended commercial for whatever they're putting out these days. Hmm. Um, and here on the Star Companion, we tell it like it is. We don't we don't kowtow to any corporate interests. And my name's David.
0: And I'm Zach.
1: (laughs) And today we're reviewing uh, Star Trek Enterprise uh, Season 1, Episode 13. The name of the episode is Dear Doctor.
0: Yes, star date between 0909-215.1 and 1109-215.1. And uh, for those of you who have been paying attention, you may notice I'm captain on break. I'm off duty. (laughs) I'm not wearing my jacket.
1: <laughs> He's captain in the mess
0: hall. <laughs> yeah. You know, I thought he was uh was it dear doctor? It was dear doctor. I thought dad was drinking a whiskey. Of course it was just iced tea. Of course, yeah. You know. And then you I was. He like, needs something oh.
1: wholesome to quench <sighs> his thirst.
0: Sometimes I see dad and I'm like, you know, they really did write this shit for
1: him. Yeah. Just he just standing there. He fits the role so perfectly.
0: Yeah. Um, so if I if I remember right, this is your favorite episode of this young season.
1: Yes, it is actually. Um, this is this is classic <laughs> Star Trek to me. This is this is what makes Star Trek amazing is that they go into these gray areas, um, mm. and it's something that I feel like often. St- Star Wars being the other, of course, sci-fi comparison, can't pull off because it's kind of a good versus evil dynamic. Mm -hmm. And especially as we progress more through the Star Trek um, timeline Mm -hmm. canon, we're eventually going to get to, you know, DS9 and Voyager and things like that. And, you know, I really enjoy when this show gets into the gray areas like that because it's very thought provoking.
0: Oh, man, dude, you are going to fucking love DS9. Yeah. (laughs) So I was explaining to Wade of Stay Cool Forever fame um, uh, that Deep Space Nine is the most brilliant fucking, like, microcosm or story I think told in the Star Trek uh, sort of canon. Yeah. It takes on... Uh, religion, it takes on fascism there's a direct comparison between you know the Third Reich and Nazi Germany and Jews and what it means to be spiritual and then it has the first uh, iteration of Section 31 which is a you know unofficial sect of Star Trek you know like rogue CIA operatives who work between the lines interesting and uh, you know sometimes you have to make decisions that are uh, for the greater good. Uh, the captain is, you know, Benjamin Cisco. Who, yeah, I think the first episode is the emissary, and he, he is a like prophet that's foretold in prophecy. Yeah, and I, I don't want to give too much away, but like at, at a certain point, there's an apotheosis mm-hmm. story arc, which is like holy shit. Right on. In fucking Star Trek, you know they ascend to an astral godlike plane. Like it, it's just, it's just nuts. But anyway, <laughs> Star Trek, in comparison to Star Wars, is afforded the ability to tell <clears throat> something in a moral gray area in a framework that's hard to define and make difficult decisions, and then try to base a philosophy on that decision.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And so, you know, in this episode, uh, it's basically about, it's, a, it's about a couple of things. So the first thing is it's it's structured as kind of a, dial- a black, back and forth dialogue between Dr. Phlox and his colleague, his name mm-hmm. is uh, Dr. Lucas, who's stationed on Denobula. And so they kind of write each other back and forth and and share their experiences and and i
0: I think it's important to note that it was like a doctor exchange program with denobula and yeah his friend dr lucas is a human
1: yeah it's part of the interspecies medical exchange there you um, go which is the first time that that's mentioned and possibly the only time it's ever mentioned but Mm -hmm. uh it is it is said that dr lucas is like if not the only human then one of the only humans on denobula working working with the denobulans so mm-hmm. and we can pretty much assume that Phlox is probably the only denobulan working with with humans as well so they're kind you, of, they're kind okay. of ca- they're kind of like counterparts in a way they yeah. mirror each other
0: have you have you ever um i had never heard of denobulans prior to our enterprise no i had not yeah you know so I wonder like cuz at at a certain point the federation becomes pretty fucking vast. Mhm. Um and so I I he's clearly our, you know, resident alien pie. With,
1: with bumps on his head. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You know, our resident cutie pie. The um the other part of this episode is they they basically they end up on this planet is it Valachia or is it Valaka or it's I think it's
0: Valachia
1: Valachia I know
0: the people are the Velekians
1: Yeah the Velekians and um, you know through a series of event of events they end up on Valachia and they're the Velekians are, are suffering from a genetic disease um, and it's killing them off slowly um, and so you know, Phlox is, is tasked with finding the, the, the cure for this disease, which he does find. But then he he ends up, you know, confessing that as a scientist, he doesn't know if it's his place to cure mm-hmm. the disease. And um, that's where we get into the third part of this episode or the third, I guess, like overarching theme of this episode, which is that there's actually a second humanoid uh, species on, on Valachia. And they're called the Mank. And they're kind of seen as probably, I would say, kind of like Neanderthals. Like if Neanderthals would have survived and and kind of co-evolved with human beings. Mm -hmm. You know, they're kind of... Go ahead. I think
0: that's the comparison that Phlox uh, makes to uh, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like a Homo sapien versus Neanderthal. And so I think where you were going was that the Mank are kind of a subclass Yes, of citizen and mm-hmm. Phlox finds out that uh, they're making evolutionary uh, leaps and will eventually be a rather smart, um, capable species on the planet.
1: Yeah, and they're they're actually cap- They he discovers that they're capable of of you know pretty high cognitive abilities, and um, you know they they have they can empathize. Um, they're mm-hmm. just generally good-natured people, but for whatever reason, the Mank have been uh, s- segregated uh, away from the Valakians, and they kind of live on the outskirts of their society and, and live in the dumps and kind of the swamps and the I yeah guess, maybe like the equivalent of maybe like New Orleans, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, like some sort of alien bayou. Yeah, <laughs> beneath some the sea level. Yeah, yeah,
0: low rent, and nice nice um that was a katrina reference and um (laughs) so and so the valekians are they're because of that's a genetic issue that's going on and within a couple centuries they're definitely gonna be uh completely killed by their disease which would then give rise to the mink in a um and they'll be able to become a prospering society on top of it and so dad yeah. is then uh plagued with the issue of if we save the vilekians you doom the Mank forever mm-hmm. but if you don't save the vilekians then probably eventually the Mank will uh not subvert but rise to a higher
1: yeah cognitive plane they'll be uh, naturally selected if you will Hmm. and so you know Flox is able to come up with the cure but he he's hesitant to give it to him and, and archer kind of pushes him at first he's like we should give it to these people like it's inhumane it's it's this that and the other but Flox is like i have a duty as a scientist you know if mm. i if i help these people i i go against my principles as a scientist which is you know i believe in evolution i believe in Natural selection, and that's exactly what's happening here and even though this you know even though this the society of the Vlachians is is pretty advanced, you know it it still falls within the the scope of evolutionary theory and and you know natural selection mm-hmm
0: and so Dad's plagued with the choice of prime directive and clearly alludes to yes some <laughs> sort of directive that could eventually be written he basically invents it himself yeah that's pretty (laughs) much it you know i i i really like the they do a good job of setting up the subclass master class society like differences in the society you know he goes he doesn't speak the same language as you nah he's a mank you know and it's like and so I, one of my notes I wrote here was, Screw you, you dirty Third Reich Faleckians, master race-having bastards. And um, <laughs> I was triggered at a certain point in this one. But I think it should be noted that Dad's compassion knows no bounds. Yeah. You know, and that's something he has to wrestle with. And I think this is a, an episode that really renders... Uh, you know, compassion uh, useless in comparison to the greater good.
1: Absolutely. You know, or and, rather natural good. Yeah, and, and it shows that, you know, that the farther the humans go out in space and the more that we explore and the more that we do, we need to temper our compassion and temper, you know, and know when to temper our compassion and maybe know when to temper you know, interfering with other societies and other cultures, you know, Mm -hmm. and something that they mention later on, or maybe not mentioned, but it's alluded to, um, but the humans, I mean, the people aboard the Enterprise pretty much, they're pretty much agreeing to not repeat what the Vulcans did on earth. You know, the Vulcans pretty much made their decisions for the, the humans and played God for them. And so, you know, here it is, we're confronted with the same dilemma and it's like what do we do here do we learn from the mistakes of the past do we try to do the same thing what i like especially about the mank too is you know the mank are treated kind of as a subclass but they're not like it's not overt you know it's not like they're like enslaved and like living on plantations and like yeah you know archers like doing barrel rolls through like cotton fields trying to, you know, save the slaves. It's like, it's just like, yeah, they kind of live on the outskirts of society and, you know, we've integrated a few of them in and, you know, they're just there, you know? So it's like, you want to fight for the, you know, your natural tendency is to fight for the mank, but then you're just like, well, what about the Valakians? Like they're not necessarily doing anything wrong. Yeah. Um, You know, they're trying to save their species, but, there are the mank and it's like, so you're, you're just like, for me, I was like sent back and forth between the two races Mm. for the whole episode.
0: Yeah. It's a real, it, it really is a pretty major quandary of ethical implications, you know? Mm -hmm. And I I think it's pretty uh, indicative of dad's character when he says that my compassion guides my judgment, you know? Yeah and that's a that's a wholly reasonable sentiment and feeling and so you really are uh undoubtedly c- cast between both options yeah um you know and then so i at, at the end flocks does his job and serves his duty to the captain and lets the captain decide what is right. And thankfully, you know, much to Archer's chagrin and Phlox's joy, yeah, uh, he makes the proper choice about staying out yeah. of the,
1: you know, evolutionary quandary. Yeah. Well, and and this is kind of something that T'Pol has tr- has touched on, you know, mm-hmm. in previous mm-hmm. episodes. Is like, hey. Like, we should be a little bit more careful, you know, when we go down to, you know, and investigate these societies. Like, the, I think it was maybe like one or two episodes ago, the one where they, they find the, the shapeshifter on that, on the, the pre industrial society world and he's like poisoning them. Was he a
0: shapeshifter?
1: Yeah, he's, uh, he's like a shape, uh, you know, I have the notes right here. He was, he actually has a race.
0: Cause if he was a shapeshifter, that would be crazy. That means he would be somehow related to the founders on DS nine.
1: Yeah. What is he? I have it here. He's a Malurian. Oh, okay. And the other the other place that the Malurians show up is in uh is in the original series, if I'm Got it. Got if I remember it. correctly. Um, um, but you know, I remember in that episode to Paul was like, Hey, we should, you know, we should maybe scope this planet out a little bit before we just go jumping down there. And so is this the
0: one where he wants, dad wants to fuck the girl.
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs> the alchemist, <laughs> um, right. but you know, they go down there, they get in this huge phaser fight and you know, now the, now the civilization knows that there's aliens out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, it's like this, this one is like, this really drives home that point that like, hey, maybe we should like temper our curiosity a little bit before we go rolling into these places and deciding things for people. It's not exactly, I mean, we have good intentions, but the outcome may not be exactly what we what we desire. Yeah,
0: you know, that and, you know, maybe we should build an outpost and observe them and then all of a sudden Data's head's gonna show up disembodied <laughs> yeah. as he goes rogue. I think my big my biggest qualm with this episode is um you know, Dad's gotta stop giving cheese to that fucking dog, man.
1: He really does. Yeah, that's 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 right. That that was a part of this episode where where Flox uh plays plays the vet. Yeah, and he, and he brings everybody in, and he's checking out people's uh, problems.
0: <laughs> it's like, damn, man. He Not loves, only is that dog He loves Porthos, fat, man. Sure. And and it's so stupid that... Whatever. Yeah.
1: No, I get it. <laughs> and I love how Tapal has cavities.
0: Oh, in the next episode?
1: No, no, no. In this episode, is she visits T'Pol. Okay, he...
0: Yeah, he or plays she, dentist she, then, too. Oh, yeah, that's right, because he's asking about Kruman Cutler. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Shit. he's like, you have cavities. And it's like, here's to Paul. She's, like, eating chocolate and, like, living like a human. Right.
0: Right. <laughs> eating candy. She just can't get enough of their Reese's. <laughs> um, so, David, I know you're a fan of continuity. I've got yeah. some continuity notes here. This episode foreshadows more directly the concept of the Prime Directive, as we know, expanding upon brief mentions from Civilization, that episode you also referenced. (laughs) Dr. Jeremy Lucas is later seen in the flesh in Season 4, Episode Cold Station 12 and The Ogwins. Oh. So we get to meet this guy later, which is fun. This episode contains the second mention of, and the first appearance of the movie night, And, uh, it's the 1943 version of For Whom the Bell Tolls, which I imagine was easy to clear and I bet CBS owned. Uh, and this episode follows a similar narrative structure to TNG's episode Day to Day in which a character provides narration in the form of correspondence to a colleague and it also bears resemblance to DS9's In the Pale Moonlight. However, that episode features a personal log being recorded instead of a letter. In the yeah. Pale Moonlight has, a, if I remember right, In the Pale Moonlight is the one where uh, Cisco gives the Romulan the data core, and he goes, it's a fake! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the one. So, that's pretty fun. You know, fun fact, apparently Phlox is, uh, uh, initially, they were going to have someone narrate Dr. Lucas's uh, part, mm-hmm. but they had Flocks read it instead. mm um interesting and then uh the episode originally ended with fox disobeying archer's orders um you know because of the crisis of conscience, and the doctor essentially does something that violates the hierarchical obligation of of him to his captain, and they opted to not do that, so yeah, it's pretty it was a great episode in my opinion i I particularly enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, and it and it shows that you don't need an episode full of action, and adventure, and gallivant, gallivanting to yeah. uh, to really you know bring home a, a great you know narrative. And, and the thi- the on. thing that I like the most about this episode is you know most of the episode when Flocks is talking to Lucas, he's kind of. You know, he's kind of a, he, he expresses his admiration of, of of the emotional depth and the abilities of humans to care. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in, in their time of need, he's the one that brings out the spirit of science, you know, yeah. and and that's important, especially when you're faced with with hardship, you know? Yeah. And I
0: think I, this episode uh, really is classic Trek it focuses right. on science it focuses on a moral dilemma a crisis mm-hmm. of conscience something that you can learn from and really consider and put into a lens of other historical iterations that you're focusing on now
1: yeah Yeah. You know, totally. um,
0: the only thing this episode was missing was Jeffrey Combs
1: you know. <laughs> fuck He'll be back in a few episodes, I promise. Oh, I hope so.
0: Have (laughs) we reached a point where uh, you haven't seen yet?
1: No, I'm about, like, probably four episodes out, I think.
0: Oh, wow. So you almost made it to the end of season one the first time through. Yeah, I'm a pretty slow watcher. (laughs) Excellent. All right. Well, do you have anything further to add?
1: Um, Just one... One last thing, the director of the episode, um, what was his name or her name? It was James Contner, and uh, I, I thought this was interesting. He directed a lot of uh, Buffy the Va- Vampire Slayer episodes, and so that kind of <laughs> feeds into the whole, you know, when you were first watching this this show and telling me about it, you you liked the whole kind of monster of the week dynamic. Um yeah. That it really isn't present this episode, but I mean, um, I just thought it was interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Well, all right. As you know, I'm Zach.
1: And I'm David. That's
0: David. And uh, this has been uh, The Star (laughs) Companion. You can catch us on major podcasting platforms. We're on YouTube now.
1: That's right. We are
0: live shoot us an email at thestarcompanion at gmail.com and thanks for listening take care of yourself